Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys this morning. Uh, this is my, my first time in here without a guitar in my hands, I think, other than, you know, sitting in the seats. Um, and if you don't know me, my name is Sean. Uh, I am Pastor Steve's son. That, that is me, if you're curious. Uh, sometimes it's kind of funny. People don't know. Um, and then something my dad says or, or somebody mentions something about, about our relation and then people... Uh, they realize it, and they've like known both my dad and myself maybe for an X number of years. They've been going to the church, and they're like, I didn't know you. You're, you're Pastor Steve's son. Like I just figured this out, and then they, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. So just to save you maybe the embarrassment of conversation or something, you know, where you're like, are they related? I'm like ah, I don't know. But my dad and uh, and his secretary, however, are not related. Her name is Kathy Moore, and no, that's 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 not my mom, and it's not his wife. Just just to clarify, or right? just helping you guys out. Just to save you another possibly awkward conversation where you come up to her and say, so how are you and your husband doing? And you think you're talking about my dad, and it's, and it's not. So <laughs> just helping you guys out. But uh, I'm here uh, at Victory. I do work uh, here with the, uh, the teenagers and with the 20-somethings, the, the college-age groups here. Most of what I do is uh, specific to, to worship, like the, the music uh, things like that for both of those groups. There's some other just kind of coordinator oversight things with Revolution uh, that I do. But that's just kind of a little bit about me and, man, for myself and just in my personal uh, kind of journey uh, of faith and kind of journey in knowing God. Uh, the, the biggest thing for me in really coming to, to kind of know Christ in a, in a more personal way uh, was really whenever I was, uh, we moved here from Oklahoma. We've been living in Oklahoma for about, uh, I think it was 11 years, 10, 11 years. It was during my freshman year uh, of high school. The last part of it was in March, March of uh, 03. And uh, it was a really difficult time for me, um, uh, for Stephanie and I, for everyone, except for maybe Rachel, because she was younger, and her biggest concern was the do- is the dog coming with us. All right, so that was her big question. Uh, it was a little, a little bit different story for Stephanie and I. Um, but... Uh, Man, the whole transition was tough. And one of the things, man, that, was, that I, I didn't see coming and, and turned out to be just an amazing thing as a result of us moving here, I ended up going to summer camp uh, that summer. I really didn't want to go because I, uh, I did not really know anybody. It only been about three months we'd been there because the camp was in like mid-June, somewhere around there. And it was just like, man, I do not... I don't know anybody, and to be honest, I didn't even care to know anybody at that point. I was just kind of believing God that we would maybe move back to Oklahoma because it was, Lord, I don't want to be here. I prayed against moving here, to be honest with you. While we were in uh, Oklahoma for a while, uh, I was praying against it because we kind of known for a few months before we even moved. Um, but I ended up going to camp, and man, just had my world rocked by just experiencing the presence of God. Up to that point, I certainly heard the Word of God and, and had, you know, moments of, of maybe experiencing God's presence, but just a whole different thing, man, going to camp. And at the time, Pastor Larry was youth pastor and, and everything, you know, the, the Jesus Adventure Camp. Some of you may be familiar with that, that the, you know, we used to host our own summer camps at that time. And, and man, just experiencing God's presence for me set me on a course to where, man, I'm here, I think, today because of that experience and continual experiences, certainly uh, beyond that, but man, just that time of God's presence. Uh, so for me, I place like man, just a huge emphasis and rightly so, man, on the presence of God. And we need to be word people. We need to get into God's word. Uh, we need to understand the truth because the truth is actually the discipline of the spirit. And so we can't move properly in the spirit if we don't have the discipline of it, which is man, God's word, God's truth. And uh, the spirit is the life of the truth. We just don't want to be cold truth people, you know, and who just like know the word and are just there's no there's no life in it. I'm sure we could probably all maybe even think of places or maybe even people specifically who are just they're nice people. They man, they know the truth, but it's just kind of cold. It's just kind of dry. It's not this living thing that's kind of coming out of them. And so, uh, man, it's. So important, man. I encourage you guys to have that, man, that balance of, of having both, of understanding the truth and also having a life about you that's coming out of the words that we're not just kind of reading text and saying, okay, that's, that's sweet and I see that we've got it sort of locked away mentally, but it's something that's real in us, something that we're convicted about, something that we're excited about, and, and also, man, something that we're, we're getting into God's presence and, 
Amen. So I encourage you, in the times we have in worship, the times we have on the weekends, uh, where we have people kind of coming up front and just those different things, man, go for it with God. Go for it with God. Get outside of your comfort zone. One thing real quick, because I'm kind of, this is all just an, an, an intro here. I'll, I'll be getting somewhere with this. But, um, man, just about getting outside of your comfort zone, uh, one of the big things for me at that camp, I was so afraid to lift my hands above this point. Like, this was it. Like, this was like my, my comfort zone. This is the danger zone. This is the comfort zone, right? So I had to stay here because once you get here, people see your hands. They know you're worshiping at that point. So you're, you're out. Like, it's, there's no holding back at this point. Like, I'm out there. I might as well just go all the way. Now, I encourage you to wherever that, that, that boundary is, you know, that you kind of feel where you get a, maybe a little bit uneasy, that's, that's the place where I just encourage you to maybe take a little toe step over the line just, just to kind of reach out a little bit and go beyond that because the, to the degree that we kind of humble ourselves in that way, we experience a measure of God's presence that maybe we haven't before. And that's where we see things in the Bible, such as shouting unto God. We see things dancing before the Lord. All these things, they're not just in there uh, as suggestions. They're actually things that we can, there's a measure of God's spirit that he wants us to enter into in that area. Until we step out, we're not going to experience it. And I've certainly found that to be true for myself. So now I just encourage you with that along the lines of God's presence and everything. So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles together to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, go read us a... A passage here of scripture, a couple of passages, just to kind of set up a little bit uh, of what I'm going to be talking about here. And uh, looking forward to it. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to be starting in, uh, in verse 3 here. And uh, I'm reading out of, out of the NIV. So here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. So in love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ. And it's in, in accordance with His pleasure and will. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. So much in, the, in, the, in those eight verses, I mean, yeah, those eight verses that are right there, so many things that we could talk about, so many things. I want to just focus our attention on the last, the last two sentences, and they're both kind of lengthy, <laughs> so it may not seem like they're the last two sentences. Uh, but uh, it's the end of verse 4, beginning of verse 5. There's a kind of a parallel structure, particularly in this translation of it. I, I, I haven't really... I don't know Greek that well, so I, I don't know if this literally holds up in the, in the Greek, but this stuck out to me reading it out of here. Most translations have a very similar type of way of phrasing this. But that beginning of that statement, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And if you skip down to verse 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Very parallel ways of saying it. So there's in love and in him, those two verses, in love and in him, and in love he predestined us to be adopted as sons. In him we have redemption through his blood. Those two things pointed out in here that I want to kind of make note of and emphasize here. So in love, first of all, we are adopted as sons. In Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses uh, 26 through 29, you don't have necessarily have to flip there if you don't want to. I'm just going to read it here real quick, but I recommend that you jot it down. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so don't let the, the word sons maybe trip you up. I don't know. Some of the, I think in the, even in the newer version, I think in the NIV, they just kind of released a, a, new, a new version, a little updated version or whatever they call it uh, of the NIV. And um, little thing, I think in that one it actually says children, that you are all children of God, which is certainly true. Uh, but this uh, particular verse in, in Galatians just points out, sometimes when you see things that are sort of, a lot of times male-centered, we can kind of think of it as only in terms of, well, this is just talking about the guys, and there's certainly times where well, that's true. But what we see here in Galatians is that you are all sons of God, male, female, Jew, Greek, all of these things, really, in God's sight, he doesn't even see that. 
So whenever it says sons, it's male sons, female sons. It's regardless, you've been adopted as sons. The reason why I think that's so powerful that it kind of remains as sons is because we see there's the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and we are made sons of God. So we are co-heirs together with Him. And that puts us in this position of like, man, there's this authority, there's this power that we're operating in as His sons. And then the second part here, in Him we are redeemed through His blood. Redeemed. The word redeem, I want to bring that out a little bit. Just out of the dictionary here. I'm not sure which one. One of them. But I just, man, I like the, what this kind of brought out. It says to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something or someone. To do something that compensates for poor past performance or behavior. You know, we've all had past, past performance or behavior that was not so good, that was poor. Man, we've been redeemed from that through His blood, through the forgiveness of sins in, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And so, reading all those things, pointing all those things out, simply to ask this one question, what are the implications of this adoption and the redemption? What are the implications of this adoption and redemption? I recommend that you write that down, because we are going to kind of come back to that. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a quick little road to kind of get to uh, a place where we specifically talk about some of these things here. But what are the implications of our adoption and our redemption? What are the implications of our adoption and and our redemption. And if you'd like to title this message, if that maybe helps you, uh, you can write down just reality check. Reality check. Let's go ahead and pray real quick before I kind of get into the meat of this. Father, so thank you so much that we can be here together, that, that we can just learn about you. We can learn about who we are because of what you've done for us. Just thank you, Father, for every person in this place, that every heart would just be open to receive your word, to see who you are, God, to get excited about who you uh, have made them, Father, and to live that, that out, to walk in it in the fullness of what you made them to be. And I just thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. To get started, this is a little bit different for me. This isn't how I usually uh, kind of go through messages and stuff. But I want to start us out just through three very simple illustrations and uh, then explain them to you. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm just going to jump right in. So the very first thing, very first thing, imagine that you're driving in your car, right? Maybe you got a convertible and you're riding with the top down, you know? So you're, you're listening to your rap music, right? Because I know that's what you all listen to. You're rocking it and you got your, the bass pumping, right? So you're rocking it down. <laughs> I know, just imagine, you know? Look at grandma or grandpa go or whatever. If you have grandchildren, or, look at them go. So I put them all to shame. Beat them at their own game. But, you know, you're, so you're rocking it out, whatever you're doing, whatever you're driving. You're going down the road. Let's say particularly if it's after a rough winter, there's something you're definitely going to see, and that's potholes, right? Potholes all over the road. It's just crazy. It's a minefield out there. But you're driving down. You see this. What is it that you do whenever you see the pothole in the road up ahead? Hopefully, if there's, if there's not a car coming, especially on the side of the road, hopefully you're going to try to... Avoid that, right? Hopefully we're going to swerve <laughs> a bit. We're going to get out of the way. Because what happens whenever you hit potholes enough, you're going to mess stuff up, right? You're going to mess up your car. You're going to mess up the alignment of the car, particularly. It's just not a good idea. So, as, and there's maybe, maybe there's other times, though, where, and man, it's frustrating. But man, there's, there's times where it's like you're stuck. Like, there's cars coming from this direction, and there's no way you can swerve over to the degree that you need to swerve over because the Grand Canyon is sitting right there in the road. And it's just like, I'm going to hit this thing and it's going to be hard and this is not going to be fun. You know, you're telling the kids, sit down, everybody buckle the seatbelts. you got like five seconds, we're all going down. So you're going in there, this huge thud. And it's just like, man, I wish there was some way I could have avoided this. And, but, you know, sometimes there's things that we hit that are unavoidable. And the, the symbol that that kind of acts as, man, just to, to point these things out, man, as we kind of go through life, there's going to be bumps in the road, so to speak. There's going to be those potholes, those things in life that we, some, sometimes there's things where we kind of have the, the notice and we say, man, I can avoid this and save myself some pain. I can avoid this and keep myself from running into some stuff. Other times it just seems like things just sort of hit you out of nowhere and you didn't see it coming or for whatever and it just seems to hit you. And uh, these things can mess up our alignment as we're going through life. You notice whenever your alignment gets off, what starts to happen, among other things, you're going to feel a pull. 
you're going to feel this pull to, to kind of, it's harder. It takes a little bit more of an effort to sort of stay on track, to stay on the road. And it's going to make it harder for you to even avoid future potholes or whatever that may be coming up on the road. Uh, and so, man, it's the same thing in life. Whenever the, these potholes, so to speak, whether that's uh, bitterness, offense, as we've kind of, we heard talking about, hopefully you were here for the uh, Dave Husky and all the things that he was talking about. Man, those things are potholes. Man, sins, habits that are, that are, are wrong. Man, even sickness can act as, as that pothole, so to speak, in our life. Where, man, it hits us and it messes up our alignment. Man, it, it, starts, it starts causing us. We feel pulled sometimes to maybe question God's goodness. We start feeling pulled to, to kind of get off course and get off track. And, uh, man, and it's in those times, man, where we need to have an alignment adjustment where we need that course correction in our lives. And so to sum up this, this first little illustration right here, if I, had, if I had to boil it down just in one word, it would simply align or alignment. And this alignment that we're talking about is an alignment with who you are. It's an alignment with the truth. It's an alignment with reality. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more going forward. Second illustration I want to talk about just real quick. Uh, I used to have, actually I still have it, um, my very first TV, all right, my very first TV, um, me being probably the youngest person in this room, my first TV is probably much different than maybe what your first TV was, but, uh, but still kind of, it's like the rear projection style, you know, still, and so it's not like these flat screens, so it's, it's kind of bulky, kind of heavy, you know, and uh, I was so excited, man, like the first time you get your TV, because it's just like, yeah, this is awesome, I think I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 11 or something like that, so it was like... Man, this is like Christmas, you know, but it wasn't. It was in the middle of the summer. So it was Christmas in July, basically, for me. All right, so I got the, the new TV, and it's so sweet. And it's like, ah, like it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if it worked, I think, at that point. It was just, it was in my room, you know. But, like, it had, to, to be able to pick up anything, though, uh, to pick up any channels, uh, it, it has an, an antenna on the top of it. And so... I'm sure many of you are familiar with the whole, the, these aren't some of the, the typical rabbit ears per se, but it's still, it's the antenna, and to be able to pick up things, particularly from channel to channel, uh, you've got to have adjustments in order for the picture to really come through with clarity. You know, and maybe you think you've got it set just right on one thing, and then it seems like maybe the next day, the next week, it's like, man, the thing, it's fuzzy again. Like, what happened? It was just right. It was just fine. Now, I'm so thankful that for the most part, uh, hopefully, maybe you, maybe you have cable or whatever, and we've, we've kind of gotten past these days a little bit of antenna, although I still have friends, actually, who, who still uh, use antennas and different things. But, like, and man, it just got me thinking about that, this idea that this is symbolic of, of our time, our personal time spent with God, about this alignment in the sense that, it takes, think for example, whenever you're messing with the, the antenna or anything along those lines, to be able to get the picture in clearly, to be able to see it, to be able to hear it, all that kind of stuff, it takes a, there's a particular positioning of the antenna, you know, and so one day it's maybe looking a little bit more just like a parabola, it's a little, or whatever, a little more parabolic, that's uh, more of a math term, sorry if I lost anybody on that, but like, but it's, it's the shape of it sort of changes. And so one week it's like one arm's over here, the other one's like this, and the next week this thing's, it's like you're always having it's like these adjustments sometimes. It takes a particular position to get the right signal through. And then at the same time, whenever we are in our personal times with, with God, man, it's a posturing of our hearts that we're, that we're really developing. Man, it's, it's not so much that we're coming before God to sort of like get God to sort of to, to get something from him, per se, in the sense that we're getting God to do something beyond what he wants to do, that we're actually positioning our hearts to receive something that he desires to get to us anyway. It's not like God's like holding out on saying, I don't even want to give you joy. I don't even want to see you walking in it. I don't want to see you walking in my plan. I don't want you to even know what my will is, so you better just try harder. Just try harder, try harder, try harder. And there's no way you can particularly read the book of Galatians and come away with that with that assumption, with that conclusion, that posturing. So the first thing, the, the image, the car alignment, second thing, the TV with the antenna. And again, the one word summary, I guess if you want to boil it down, that just that, that second kind of symbol, example, is receive. Receive from God. First one was align with who you really are, align with the truth. Second one is receive 
from God has to do with, man, we're just getting into His presence as we were talking about before, kind of getting our batteries charged, so to speak, being refreshed, refueled in His presence, simply experiencing God. Third thing, last uh, illustration that I want to hit up, and this is all setting us up for somewhere, so just stay with me, my friends. <laughs> so, um, third thing, uh, my, my cell phone has kind of seen better days a little bit. Uh, it is... It's not that old, but you know how it is today, man. They come out with, like, as soon as you get, there's a commercial right now. Have you seen this? Oh, man, my dad and I saw it, and it was so funny. Um, it's the, I can't remember who did it. I can't remember who, who was actually putting out the advertisement or whatever. But um, it's, they, uh, there's people, essentially, in these different situations where they have this particular piece of technology. One of them is a, a woman is at this conference, and it kind of looks like an Apple conference, if you've ever maybe seen those, where Steve Jobs is up there. He's up on, the, on a big stage, and he says, this is the next thing in the future, and blah, blah, blah. And he says this whole thing, does the big announcement. This is one woman who's sitting out there going, I just bought this one, you know? And so there's this next big thing, and it's like, it's already obsolete. And then there was an, another thing where, like, a guy bought a 3D TV. They're wheeling it in his house or whatever. The movers are bringing in, and then... Uh, he sees on the side of the moving truck that's, that's bringing in their TV, it says 4D TV, now available. And it's like, oh, come on. And it's just, it's so true, though, isn't it, man? Like, every time they come out with something that's one piece of technology, something else supersedes that literally right around the corner. But uh, my phone has had some issues with connecting uh, to, to the network, connecting uh, to the Internet and just different things. Uh, and so as a result of that, my calendar... It doesn't sync up with uh, my work computer here like it used to. Uh, you know, so the, whatever would be on one would now be on the other and vice versa. So everything would be all, all synced up. Everything's on the same page. All, all my meetings are in the right spots. And, I, you know, so everything, I would be on the right page. I know exactly, exactly what's going on. And uh, so that hasn't been happening. So as a result of that, I've had to manually enter in these, these things. I've had to, to manually add in that, hey, I'm speaking at healing school today and, that's a good thing to, to remember. Um, and all these, all these different things, I'm having to manually put these in, which takes a bit more effort. Because what I would normally have to do, plug it in on this end, plug it into the computer with the other, hit the button, it does its, its thing, the whole syncing thing. Now what's on here is on there. What's on the computer is now on here. Very simple. It's effortless on my part. I just got to press a button. And man, this, that, this, this picture is simply, is simply this. It has to do with our, with our consistency, our faithfulness, in spending that time with God, and having that time. That's it. Man, syncing up. But that's just, if you want to kind of sum this up, there's, there's one little illustration, this one little example. It's simply this sync or sync up, however you want to put it on there. Sync up with God continually. Because if we don't, we're going to be operating off of yesterday's manna, so to speak. And I say that from the Israelites. Remember the Israelites are out there, they're in the middle of nowhere, and it's like, man, God, there ain't no food out here. I don't know if they said it that way, but that's what they were thinking. And so uh, God says, all right, here's what I'm going to do. There's going to be manna falling from heaven. Eat it daily. The next day, there's going to be more manna falling from heaven. So don't, don't, you dare, don't, don't store up the stuff that you had yesterday. Don't hold on to that. Whatever's left over, it's left over. Great. But the next day, there's going, to be, there's going to be more manna. It's going to be new. It's going to be fresh for today. And that's the manna that you need to eat today if you're going to be sustained. And so sometimes it's so easy to rely off of yesterday's manna, so to speak. It's so easy to rely off of like, with the last time so to, that, that you had, the last time that you had in God's presence, the last time that you were in God's Word. Man, that was great last time. That was great yesterday. And that was sweet, and I saw something, and man, my heart got excited about it, and man, I was fired up all day. And then you go the next day, and it's like, you know, I did pretty good yesterday, so I think today I'll be fine if I don't get in there because I was good yesterday. And today I'm still feeling pretty good, which means yesterday must have been really good, and so I'm, I'm okay for at least the next couple days. And we wait until we hit rock bottom almost sometimes before we, we feel like, well, I need God now. And by the time we reach the point that we need God now, the seed of the Word of God hasn't... There's, it takes time for that to produce something in our lives. And you notice that the Word of God is, is like a seed, is how it's compared to. It's like a seed. Several times Jesus gives parables where the Word of God is, is compared that way. 
And uh, the reason why it's compared to a seed is because it, it works in the same manner. It's invested into our hearts, invested into the soil, so to speak, of our hearts and, and the core of who we are. But, you know, it takes time. It takes watering. So we have to be reminded of it for it to ultimately produce something. And it will produce something. But we've got to give it time and we've got to allow that to be watered. It's got to be, we've got to bring this stuff back up. You know, it's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual sinking up. It's not just an event. It's a process that we're walking through. And so that third illustration, sink up, stay with it continually, faithfully, that consistent fellowship with God. So just as a reminder, the first one is talking about the alignment, alignment with who you are, alignment with reality, alignment with the truth that has to do simply with your belief system. Second one having to do with the whole TV thing, receiving from God. It's about His presence, man, getting our batteries charged, so to speak, experiencing God. Third thing, syncing up with God continually. And I know that these aren't completely exclusive or independent of one another. I know that there's some crossover here. Obviously, if you're going to stay synced up with God, you've got to keep getting God's presence and so on. You've got to be aligned, all, the, all these things. And I know that they're not separate, but just trying to point out something here as we get to through all of this so I can say something. Sticking up with God continually, being faithful, consistent fellowship. And what I want to point out and sort of harp on for the, for the rest of our time that we have this morning is the first one, and that's the alignment. The alignment of your life. And there's a reason why I've listed just some of these things that can kind of get our alignment off. The bitterness, the, even, the, even the sickness maybe immorality, the worries, the cares of, of life. All, all of these things can get us out of alignment. And the reason, I, I just think, particularly what, what we... Because the, the answer for the alignment is, is not that you don't teach on, on the other two things, but those are things that sort of are, are these personal commitments to I'm going to see this happen, so to speak. Your personal time with God is your personal time with God. That's not something I can necessarily say, well, this is how it has to happen, A, B, C, and D, with your time with God. It's something that's coming out of your heart. And I, I can't necessarily teach you that passion, you know what I'm saying? But I can at least help guide you with your alignment as to who you are to remind you of the truths of who you truly are so that whenever those things start to come in life, because we're all going to hit stuff in life, things that we didn't even see coming. And uh, in those times, if we don't choose to go in and get aligned with who we are, get aligned with the truth, then we're going to get off course. We're going to get pulled off of off course. And if we go long enough without making any corrections, if you go long enough driving your car with it out of alignment, it's going to mess something up where it's really messed up. It'll make it undrivable. And what we don't want is your car to be undrivable, so to speak, in life. That there would be corrections made before it ever gets to that point so that we recognize those things. Just like your car gives you those signals. Hey, it's probably time to take me into the shop. That's what that big flashing engine light is all about, right? Hey, you're out of gas. You may want to stop somewhere and get some gasoline. And I'm, I'm glad I haven't run out of gas. Has anyone here ever run out of gas and gotten stuck in the road? Oh, it's okay. You didn't, you didn't have to... I, yeah, we don't want to single you out, so you didn't have to raise your hand, but now we know. So, But we love you. We love you. <laughs> oh, man. But that's why I help, help us, men to see this morning, because I know that's what God's been doing in my heart. Uh, does anyone ever see the movie, uh, I believe it's called Jack? Robin Williams was in it. It was from, what was that out? Is that 90s, late 90s maybe? Somewhere around there? No, that's Patch Adams, actually. But that's a good movie, too. <laughs> Jack is the one, all right? It's um, where Robin Williams is the main character, and uh, he uh, is born with this condition where um, his physical body grows at this accelerated rate. So where literally he could be, um, I don't know, externally from the outside, he would look like he's 30 years old or something like that. But internally, he's in, I don't know, like fifth grade or something like that. You know, so he's like, something just doesn't look right, right? Because, like, why is this old guy here with, like, the 12-year-olds? You know, something is, is wrong here. 
And so that's kind of the whole premise of it is how the, this this kid navigates this and his family and different things. I mean, it definitely is a it's a pretty sweet movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but what was interesting in one of the scenes is uh, Jack is you know, he's playing. Well, actually, he's not playing basketball. All the other kids are playing basketball. Um, and he's kind of on the outside just sort of watching. He doesn't really fit in for obvious reasons. I mean, no one else can identify with his condition. And uh, so he's sitting over there just kind of lonely by himself, kind of down on himself. Like, man, no one, no one likes me and, and all this stuff. And, and so he's, he's off on his own. Kids are all playing. One kid kind of reaches out to him, goes over. I don't remember the specifics of what he says and things like that, but essentially he's kind of bringing up to his attention, you know, you could actually be good at basketball. Why don't you come over and, like, play with us? Like, if there's anything you'd be good at, you're a big tall guy, you know? He kind of has the height advantage, which is a, a nice thing to have in the game of basketball, Right? It can make up for a lot of things. If you're tall, you don't necessarily have to be the fastest guy in the world. So, so Jack is encouraged by this kid. He's saying, you know, in essence, saying, you know, you need to realize you're, you're tall. You're kind of a bigger guy than the rest of us. That will give you an advantage because of who you are. I, I mean, you can, you can play basketball with us. Now, in the story of the movie, he doesn't, like, he doesn't like go on to be an NBA basketball player or anything, so that's not the point. But the point is the fact, though, that this kid points out to Jack, hey, you need to wake up to who you are. Because when you get the proper perspective as to who you are in relation to all these things that you stay up at night worrying about, all these things that you are so concerned about that you were letting beat you up, you need to realize that you've already been given this position where you can actually beat those things down. Because that's your standing. That's who you are. I remember there was a, I heard a story recently from a youth pastor. He was, uh, um, he's actually not a youth pastor now. He's a pastor of a, a pretty decent sized church now. He's a pretty young guy. He's talking about youth ministry. Uh, he had these two brothers, um, one, old, you know, one older, one younger. Um, but uh, it was a case where the younger brother was actually taller and bigger than the older brother. But the older brother, and maybe you've seen this happen before, but the older brother kind of has the mental advantage, right? So they kind of know how best to fight. They may not have the physical advantage, but they kind of have, like, I don't know, the cheap shots or whatever that you can do. And uh, if you guys know, I'm sure you guys know Zach Blair, that's the way he fights, man. The guy fights dirty. I'm just telling you right now. He knows all the little, the human, like, he likes, okay, you need to watch out for this. If you guys ever get in a fight with Zach, I don't think you're going to, but I'm just going to let you know so you're prepared, all right? Because I love you. <laughs> if you're ever in a fight with Zach, he loves doing this little thing, all right? He'll take his finger and he'll stick it underneath your nose, under the bridge of your nose, because that pressure under the bone that's in your nose, will, it's, it's painful and annoying at the same time. And so you'll, you won't go forward when that's under there. So he's like learned all these little things, all right? So you've got to watch out for this guy. But that's the, in the sense, that's the kind of, of advantage that like the, the, uh, the older brother had, even though physically he didn't have the advantage. And some of the story how these two brothers were getting into fights all the time. They'd be fighting with each other. Man, just constantly at youth groups. So he was always, always having to break them up and everything, you know. And finally he goes to, to the younger brother, who's the, the bigger and taller of the two, and says, you know, man, I don't remember his, his name, but he says, you know, man, you, you, I, I, don't, I don't encourage you as your youth pastor. I don't encourage physical violence. But have you noticed... You're bigger than him. You're bigger than him. Now, I'm not saying you should fight him, but you, I just want you to know, I didn't say this, but you, you are bigger than him. And then the, as he was telling the story about these two guys, he said, and when I told that to him, I was like, man, something just lit up in him. Like, I am. Like, as if he had never seen it before, you know. He never noticed that he was like, hey, bro, what's going on? Like, he never noticed, like, the fact that he had to look down or something. And, like, but, like, it, what had to happen? He had to be awakened to that. In fact, as the story goes on, uh, there's actually a time where the brothers are in the car. This youth pastor is driving them to youth group. And uh, the, the older brother says something to the younger brother, picking on him or whatever. The older brother basically t- 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 just makes a fist and just punches him in the leg. All right? Just, just as, almost as a warning shot. Just <laughs> right in the leg. 
And so after that, from that time on, even though he just hit him in the leg, that time on, the older brother never messed with the younger brother. So he must have done some damage with that shot. But what changed? What changed from, from that one brother to never fighting back against the older brother? What happened from, from Jack never playing basketball with the rest of the kids in the movie, but then he actually does start playing basketball and being the one everybody wants on their team? What was it that changed? Was it the fact that they grew more powerful? Was it the fact that they grew taller, bigger, faster, stronger? Was it any of those things? The answer is no. The answer is their perspective changed. The way that they saw themselves changed. Their alignment changed. I'm going to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and uh, verse 36. Familiar verse here, John chapter 8, verse 36. I want us to look at something together. John chapter 8, verse 36 says this. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Has He set you free? Have you seen that? We can go to some verses that, that point that out. Are we, we okay? Are we at least that far? The Son has set us free. He set us free from sin. He set us free, man, from darkness. In fact, we'll look at a verse that talks about that. But the Son has set us free. So we know that the first half of that verse is true. So we can establish, so if the Son has set you free, well, He has. So we've, we've got that, right? The Son has set us free. So then now what? So we are free Indeed. I want to look at the, the word indeed. I don't know what your particular translation that you may be looking at in there says for the word indeed. Um, but this is what that word is. The Greek word, because, you know, people who preach have to use Greek words sometimes to sound smart. So I'm just doing my job. That's what I'm saying. Just messing around. Uh, is ontos. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Again, I'm, I'm definitely not a Greek scholar. But ontos, O-N-T-O-S. It's kind of the pronunciation of it. It's an adverb form of to be. Some words here that kind of help shape this word for us. Exist or in existence. To really be. And here's a good one. Reality. Reality. But I want to really kind of sit on that one. So the sun has set you free. He has. He set us free. Therefore, you are free indeed. You are free in reality. You are free in actuality, in existence. That is what you are. And that is who you are. Now, free from what? I want to go to Colossians chapter 1. There's among other things, but I just want to point this one out to us. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13. And 14. The Son has set us free. We are free indeed. Freed in reality. Verse 13 says this, For He has rescued us, He has rescued us, from the dominion of darkness. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's that word redemption again. In fact, that part of, particularly the last half of that verse, oh, sorry, in verse 14 it's very similar to what we read before in Ephesians, talking about the redemption that we have, particularly referencing uh, the forgiveness of sins as a part of that. But verse 13, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Does that sound like freedom? Does that kind of sound like the freedom that is mentioned in the last verse that we read over in John? For if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And as we looked at that word indeed, it means that we're talking about a reality in existence presently, in our lives. And Colossians says, for He has rescued us, which tells me that it is a present fact, it's a present reality, it's a present truth, that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. That is your standing. That that is now who you are. That is what belongs to you. And I know you've probably heard messages very much like this one, talking about what God has already provided for you, particularly if you've gone through Things like the, the uh, healing team training and things like that, where you've listened to Andrew Womack, uh, you've already got it. 
things like that. So friends, I'm not here to tell you something that is dramatically new per se, but I am here to tell you something that is life-changing. Something that actually makes a difference in who you are. Well, actually, that's not true. Not a difference in who you are, but who you may be living as. Because maybe right now in some areas, in fact, all of us, really, have areas in our lives where we are living out of character, meaning that we are not living aligned with what Christ has provided for us by what He did. So, man, I just want to build you up with these things. To know that, man, you've been set free. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. That you are free indeed. That you are free in reality. And one part of that is very, it's much related to uh, Proverbs chapter 12. You want to write this down. We don't, don't necessarily have to flip there if you don't want to. I'm just going to read it real quick. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6. Proverbs 12, verse 6 says, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but... The speech of the upright rescues them. The speech of the upright rescues them. The speech of the upright rescues them. Sounds similar to the rescuing that's taking place in Colossians chapter 1 that says that He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And then in Proverbs saying that the speech of the upright rescues them. So it tells me that there's kind of two parts there. There's actually the God side of things, what's been provided, and there's the man side of what we appropriate with our words. There is actually the rescuing that happens. Then that whenever Jesus Christ died for us, He rose again. He's provided these things for us. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us from these things. He's brought us out of sins. He's, brought, he's given us forgiveness of, of the sins. Then the things that we may mess up on, he's, he's provided this grace that's available to help us overcome these things because we've been rescued from them. But now we also see in Proverbs that the mouth of the upright or the righteous, which is who we now are in Him, rescues us from things. I was reading the book, uh, Grace, the Power to Change, man, which is a sweet, sweet book. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, man, so much. In fact, there's a lot of things very much related to, to what we're talking about today. One thing that really, man, caught my attention was uh, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but whenever I think of like a, talk about the, like the power of, of your mind and sort of aligning or getting your, your thoughts and like thinking on the right things, you know, being mindful of your thought life and, and maintaining your thought life and those things that we, you know, we've probably heard in here before. Um, a lot of times I think of that in the realm of just in my head. Like, okay, something bad just, just I just had a bad thought. I'm going to, oh, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't think about that. So now I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to think about this. But all of this happens just in my head. For me, most of the time, that's what I think of in terms of like correcting my thoughts. Is something that happens in here. And something that was brought out that I really saw in, in the book *Grace: The Power to Change* that was brought out was that he said, you know, it, it's not enough. It's not enough just to change your mind about things. And by that he means shifting your mental focus. It's not enough just mentally just kind of go, eh, which is good. I certainly, we want to do that. But what's brought out in here, you know, we are rescued not just by the changes of thoughts just internally, but we are actually rescued and changed by our words speaking something that God has already provided for us. We are not creating the changes by our words, but we are aligning our words with the change that's been provided. It's almost as if what God has said, here, it's on the table, and it's like we just got to say, thank you, or Yes, I will take that. Just, there's there's got to be some sort of response. And the response in terms of appropriating this freedom, this rescuing from the dominion of darkness, which, by the way, includes healing, is that we've got to actually appropriate these things by what we say. Now, I'm not talking about basing... Sometimes we, we get... I don't, wanna, I don't want us to get into, like, one, one ditch or another ditch, but to understand that that's why I say, like, our words inherently us saying these things is not the saving power that because sometimes we put more faith in confession than in the words that we're saying, that we know that you know, I'm aligning with something 
Think about like a radio signal. Here's another illustration. A radio signal. Whenever you're trying to get on the right radio station, what is it? You're, you're not, the radio itself is sitting in your car or wherever. That's not where the signal is being sent from. You're turning the dial. There's an action required on your part. You're picking up something. You're receiving something. You did not instigate that signal. You are just receiving it. It's in the same way that we are appropriating the things that Christ has already provided. Christ has sent out the signal, righteous. He sent out the signal, freedom from sin. He sent out the signal, life and life in abundance. Literally, the nature of God. We are partakers of divine nature. That's the nature of God. That's you. You consume that. You are that. You are living, breathing the nature of God on this earth. That is your position. That is your place. Even if you're not walking in it right now, that is your character. That is who you are. And that's the perspective that I want to awaken you to, to remind you of, to empower you to live because you can do that. That is who you are. It's more who you are than who you are currently living as. It really is. Here's a question. I think it's a sweet thing, man. such a sweet thing. All this stuff, by the way, we're answering this thought of of what are the implications of our adoption, what are the implications of our redemption as a result of what Christ has provided for us. Interesting thought. What realm do you look to in order to confirm truth? What realm do you look to to confirm the truth or to tell you what's true? Which one is more truth? Because I guarantee you, at different points in time, the two are not going to look the same. It's either... Our current, our current states, the current facts, if you will, or the transcendent truths that are present in heaven that we need to appropriate on earth. Where, what, which one are you going to look at and say, all right, so this realm carries more weight? Or is it the, the spiritual realm? Is it what Christ has provided for me? Is it what he's been saying about it? What, is it these verses that we've been looking at? Is it that? Is that carrying more weight? Is that really the, the truth that is overarching, that has more power? Or is it... The, the truth of what I'm currently experiencing, I'm currently feeling this. Because, yeah, they're, they're both truths in the sense that they are both very much real. But what I, I want us to think about is wait, which one is a more transcendent or overarching truth that can overtake the other. Think about it this way. Um, every, every single time that you jump off from a place of, of height, you're always going to get pulled down, right? It's gravity. It's a law. Every single time I were to drop my cell phone, which I'm not going to because it's been dropped enough times. So every single time that I were to drop this, every single time it's going to hit the ground, right? Unless there's another law that is superior to that law that, it, that acts, in a sense, overcoming that law, every single time that's going to fall. Now, if I strap which would be very weird. But if I strapped a rocket to the bottom of that cell phone, I don't know why you would ever want to do that, but just for the sake of the illustration, if you strap a rocket to a cell phone, it's going to fly somewhere. Now, if there's no fins or anything on it, it's probably not going to be very guided. But it's going to take off somewhere. All right? It ain't just going to go down. It's just going to go crazy, flying over the place, and that would be a fire hazard, and that would not be good. But it would still... There's a law, the law of the thrust and lift. It's why airplanes can take off the ground and continue staying off the ground. There's something that's greater. Gravity, it's still true. It may be still presently true that you are sick. It may still be presently true that, man, things in life are, are just tough. Man, that there's this, the stress and there's, um, man, maybe bitterness and there's addictions or habits, whatever. It may be presently true that those things are a reality, but they're not the transcendent truths that can overcome. The, the, the things that truly carry the weight are the things that Christ has provided for us. The only thing that's keeping you from it is your alignment with those things, to remind yourself of those things. Or I'll tell you again, these things are seeds. They take time. Man, these things work in this more like a, an oven than a microwave. They take more time. But it also, man, you're going to get more substance out of stuff that's coming out of an oven than out of a microwave. You don't want to eat Kraft macaroni and cheese every day, right? That stuff's made in a microwave. Man, you want the roast turkey. But you know that takes more time. But it's worth it. And, man, if you will stay with these things, if you will speak these things, anytime something comes to your head, man, I'm saying, no, I'm responding to that. Man, in fact, it should tick you off anytime something else comes at you that's not who you are. No. Depression? You kidding me? 
There was no way you were getting in here because, you know, I've been delivered out of the dominion of darkness. That's not mine. I'm not taking that. So wait, sickness, cold, I don't care how, how large or small, you know, the, whatever kind of scale we put it on. I'm not taking that. That's not me. That's not who I am. I might be feeling it right now and it don't feel good. But I'm not taking that. That's not who I am. That's not who Christ has made me. He didn't die on the cross just so I can keep living like this. He didn't go through all of that so I can just keep on getting by. But I can live in the joy. I can live in peace. I can get everything that Christ has provided for me because anything less man, is to do Christ a disservice for what He did. So, man, I just want to remind you of these things to encourage you guys, man, to pursue these things because you can, because it's in you. It is who you are. Man, you've been seated together with Him in heavenly places. That's your place. That's your, that's your seat at the table. It's at the head of the table with the king. That's where it's at. That's where it is. So, man, I encourage you guys, man, to pursue these things. Man, stay with it. Don't be discouraged. Don't get down on yourself, man. Just continue to align. Just make this alignment. So those little alignments, to, man, to keep yourself from being pulled off course and out of the things that God has for you. And just stay in that place of alignment. Just be continuing. Stay synced up. All these things we've been talking about, stay there. Cool. Let's just pray together. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing the truth to us, a truth that we can walk in that's practical, that's real. And God, we just give you thanks. We give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for Jesus. We thank you that, we're, that we can be made sons, sons of the King. That is our position. We are a royal priesthood, a royal nation, that we can reign in this life with the authority that you've given us, the place that you've given us. And we give you, Lord, all of this, uh, the entirety of our, our current picture, the current scope of our lives, Father, we give it to you. And we say, Lord, we're going to align ourselves with the truth. We're going to align ourselves with reality and anything less. We're not going to tolerate. We don't have any place for it. It can't stay. So we speak to these things. We speak your truth that, is, that can overcome anything and everything. Your truth, Lord, that is reality, that is Indeed, the, the truth that sets us free. And Lord, we, we just thank you so much for the privilege and honor it is to do this life together with you, empowered by just your grace, your Holy Spirit. We give you all the praise as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you all so much. PC, Pastor Craig is going to be here next week. So we'll see you then.